the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. And now back to Lifeline with Craig Roberts. And welcome back to the conversation. Just about six minutes after the hour of 6 p.m. here on this Thursday edition of Lifeline. We are broadcasting live from the 56th Annual Bass Church Workers Convention, hosted at Redwood Chapel in Castro Valley. Of course, the conference gets underway tonight at 7 p.m., and then we'll run all day, both Friday and Saturday. Complete details available on the web at bassconvention.org. One of the big topics at an event like this always is what can the church be doing to do a better job in terms of equipping parents to be parents, particularly in this day and age. And I would suppose that generationally speaking, our grandparents saw certain challenges in raising our parents. Our parents have challenges perhaps raising us. We're having challenges raising our own kids. It, and it tends over generation, over generation to, to shift in terms of the areas that become more problematic. But today, I think many parents would argue between busy work schedules, two parents both working, a lot of single parent families, the challenges of raising kids in a society that is overwhelmed by social media and the, the influence of, of electronic communication and the internet, that it really takes a very special set of parental skills to prepare a child for life. Joining me now is Family Life Pastor at Covenant Fellowship Church in Glen Mills, Pennsylvania, Pastor Marty Mikowski. He is the author, by the way, of a brand new book called Parenting First Aid, Hope for the Discouraged. And Pastor Marty, great to have you on the show. Thanks, Craig, for having me. It's great to be here. Let's talk about some of these challenges. I'm sure if I sat down or could sit down with my grandmother, she would talk about the ways in which it was a challenge raising my father. My father, I know, has had plenty to say about the challenges in raising me. As I suggest, every parent, every generation seems to have different kinds of challenges that faces. But this current generation, raising millennials, raising kids that are facing life in a world dominated by social media, seems to just be wrought with, with so many extremes that a lot of parents feel very lost. Do you think that's true? I do, and I think that you're right in saying it's unprecedented. While our grandparents had challenges, uh, some of them had struggles financially, uh, some of them had to work long hours, but nothing like what compares today in our technology-driven online society, and parents, quite frankly, didn't grow up with this stuff. So our kids know more about it than we do and uh it's a little scary for parents it indeed is and i have to wonder by the title of your new book parenting first aid hope for the discouraged are you hoping to suggest to parents out there that yes maybe you've made some mistakes in the past maybe there's some ways in which your child is a little bit wounded because of circumstances either within the family or challenges from exterior forces as you suggest and that there is a way to provide first aid, hope uh, first aid kind of a an emotional and spiritual triage i guess and then be able to restore that child is that what you're hoping to suggest in the title 
it, it is, and as an example for my own life, as a pastor, you know, I'm expected, at least I thought I was expected, that if I did everything right with my kids, they would turn out great. But I started out with twins, one boy, one girl, and we did everything the same with them. Uh, we tried to uh, lead them spiritually, watch their popular culture intake. My daughter did great. She she became kind of like what you might say the the perfect cookie-cutter Christian girl. But my son, who we did all the exact same things with, rebelled. And, uh, you know, I got the proverbial call from the police saying, can you come pick up your son at the station? And what I realized was, you know what, it's not just about what I do. Uh, I was relying on things that I could do, and what I learned through those trials is that I needed God to do for me and my children what I just couldn't do. I couldn't save them. I couldn't grab their hearts. I needed God to do that for me. And I think what you say is so profound because so many parents are frustrated. They feel as if they'd like to do more. They're trying to do more. But the challenges of paying the mortgage and going to work and all the trappings that come with living life in America today, particularly listeners here in the San Francisco Bay Area, we've got some of the highest cost of living anywhere in the nation. And so people feel as if they're struggling against so many external forces that they maybe feel guilty that they're letting their kids down, that they can't give them all all that they want to. And I don't mean materially, I mean just in terms of even being present for them. And that's true. And then when you add to that, if one of your children struggles, on top of the guilt of not being able to provide, is added the shame of, oh my gosh, I'm a failure, the, the condemnation that the enemy throws on top of them. And when I see parents, sometimes it's as though they're wearing a heavy backpack, there's this load. And what I just want to do is I just want to take it off, and I just want to say, God is aware of your situation. He cares for you. He cares for your children. Draw near to the Lord, the Scriptures say, and He'll draw near to you. And, and I see parents suddenly perk up, especially when I tell them my story. And I have to wonder, uh, toward that end, Pastor Marty, some parents that are dealing with this sense of guilt... Um, or maybe for the parent, as you suggest, that did all the right things, took the kids to Sunday school, raised them with proper moral guidelines within the household, raised them in the fear and respect of the Lord, and yet they, they rebelled. Do parents find encouragement to understand that they're not alone, that God is there to help them, and that maybe God intervenes and says, hey, wait a minute, yes, they're your children, but recognize this, I created them in my own image, and they were my children before they were your children. Do you think that's true? I think that's true. Not only does God understand, He knows why. He knows all about it. Uh, for example, in chapter 1 of Isaiah, uh, Isaiah is speaking for the Lord, giving this word prophetically, and he says, Children I have reared, speaking of Israel, and they have rebelled against me. Um, he says in that, later in that first chapter, I have become weary. And, and so we see that, wait a minute, it's not like God himself had it all together when it came to parenting his children. And at the end of the chapter, we see God's solution to the challenge of raising rebellious children. He says, though your sins are like scarlet, they shall be made white as snow, a reference to Christ. So if the all-powerful Creator God could not raise children, godly children from rebellious stock, apart from the cross, sending his own son to die for those children, how 
do we as earthly parents think we're going to do any different? And at the end of the day, God is not surprised by any of this. And, and he certainly is more than capable of helping you as a parent parent your kids and care for your children. And maybe one of the big takeaways here, too, is for parents to be reminded that our kids, we can lead the way, but at the end of the day, they are God, still God's children. And God doesn't have any step-grandchildren, does he? I mean, these are all direct descendants. That's exactly right. And God is all-powerful. He is able to work all things together for the good of those who love Him and are called according to His purpose. So I say to the parents, do you love God? Are you trying to do the right thing? Are you called according to His purpose? Then the most challenging of circumstances, God says, I can work them all together for your good. And how many of us adults, as we're ourselves rebellious teens, and we see how God used our foolishness to show us the end of ourselves and lead us to Christ. The new book, as we suggest, really provides uh, tremendous insights that will give parents not only a fresh new perspective on parenting, but also perhaps understand better the role that God plays in co-parenting with you. The book is called Parenting First Aid, Hope for the Discouraged. It's newly released by New Growth Press and available at bookstores throughout the Bay Area. You can also get it through Amazon.com, and you'll find it on Pastor Marty's website, Marty Makowski, that's M-A-R-T-Y, M-A-C-H, O-W-S-K-I dot com. Our thanks to Pastor Martin Makowski, Family Life Pastor at Covenant Fellowship Church in Glen Mills, Pennsylvania, for joining us on this broadcast of Lifeline. Well, it's 6.16 on the clock, and of course we continue our live broadcast from the 56th Annual Bass Church Workers Convention here in Castro Valley in just a moment. But right now, let's get you a look at traffic with the latest from the KFAX Traffic Center. Here once again, Michael Bennett. Michael, what's up? And now back to Lifeline with Craig Roberts. All right, welcome back to our broadcast, the 30, I'm sorry, the 56th annual Basque Church Workers Convention taking place once again here at Redwood Chapel in Castro Valley, where they've hosted for many, many years the general session tonight getting underway at 7 p.m. And of course, workshops, seminars all day, tomorrow and Saturday. Opportunity for you to learn not only how to hone your ministry and improve uh, maximizing the effectiveness of the outreach of your local church within your local community, but maybe even discover new opportunities, new horizons for church ministry. So I encourage you, if you've never been to a Bass Convention, don't miss this one. Check out all the details on workshops at BassConvention.org. That's BassConvention.org. You can register here on site or easily, easily register online. Don't forget, for as low as $250, you can register your entire church. If you want to bring every Sunday school teacher, everybody involved in youth ministry, every layer of your church, it could be a 100 people, only cost you $250 for the entire church. So check it out online at VastConvention.org. I'm reading some of the some of the bio notes on my next guest. It says that he's been pastoring for 35 years. Clearly a typo, because he just told me he's not a day over 22. <laughs> uh, a dear friend, going back a lot of years. Um, pastor Jan Hunter. Dr. Hunter is senior pastor at New Faith Cathedral Church of God in Christ. 
in Vallejo, California. By the way, he's going to be teaching a number of workshops here at the convention, and uh, we'll get to all of that in a moment. Meanwhile, Pastor, it's good to see you again. It's so good to see you again one more time. So grateful to be in your presence and uh, with KFAX, and I'm just honored to be here during this time. One of the first times we met, you were pastoring a small church on McDonald Avenue in an old bank, as I recall, in the city of Richmond. Um, God, in recent years, called you to minister to Vallejo, and in many respects, take a lot of the skills that you honed working in the inner city, which is definitely, if anybody knows the Bay Area knows that there's not any more inner city than Richmond, to take what you learned in that Iron Triangle area and export it into another area that's growing in many respects. A lot of folks, as they have been challenged by the cost of real estate in San Francisco and the immediate Bay Area, have moved north into Vallejo, and there the Lord has chosen to uniquely plant you for what should we call it, such a time as this. Such a time as this. We are honored to be in the city of Vallejo. It's an amazing story of how God opened up a door for us to uh, purchase a wonderful piece of property uh, for an amazing cost that you wouldn't even believe for $100,000. It was an amazing miracle how it all transpired. And I looked at it as a sign of God that he wanted us there. And we have been working uh, there in the Vallejo, center of Vallejo for these past four years. Uh, since we've been there, we've also uh, began a prison ministry that has been very successful and a great opportunity to uh, recruit men that are coming out of prison. And matter of fact, many are, will be coming out within the next six months because of new legislation. Yes, that's right. And because of the impact of the ministry there, which is right across the bay from us, we probably... And I'm not exaggerating, you probably have seen at least 200 men come to Christ during our ministry session since we've been there the past four years. Wow. And uh, many of them have committed to come and work with us to help us with the vision of revitalizing the area, updating our facilities, and continue the outreach. It's amazing how God is not bound by any one geographical location. He's the God of the universe. And he is doing so many great things. We're very grateful. What's especially, I think, exciting about where the Lord has planted you is the fact that you are very inner city, as I mentioned. That's your background and your experience. You're taking a lot of, of sort of the uh, front lines experience from Richmond now into Vallejo. And, and I think it's beneficial for, for pastors that work in the suburbs to hear about some of the challenges and opportunities that you face because... Ministry in the inner city is not like ministry in suburbia, isn't it? No, it, it requires a lot of patience and vision for people who might not have a vision for themselves. God allows us to see things in them that they might not be able to see. And these are not just people that are in need of a Savior. I mean, we all certainly are. But there are also people who have suffered a tremendous amount of pain. They are victims of racial abuse. They are victims of economic abuse. They are victims of life in general, where maybe they've come from broken homes. They have been in school districts that had inferior education. There have been limited job opportunities. 
a limited sense of vision. And, you know, Scripture reminds us that without vision, my people perish. So you really not only have to begin with presenting the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ, but then once having won somebody to Christ, give them a sense of what the vision could look like for a better, brighter, happier future, economically, educationally, and even within their own families. Well, I think that's the real bread and butter of our ministry because what I found is that many people that have been marginalized uh, and made bad choices because of whatever economic, social conditions they were raised in or uh, got involved with, the main thing they need is to know that somebody loves them and somebody can trust them. And many times those two things they've lost somewhere in their life. And when they come to New Faith Cathedral, they find love, they find brotherhood, they find men and women who care, um, and we reach out to them and try to help them build, rebuild an image of themselves that we believe in you, and we believe that God has a, a wonderful plan for your life. And it, it, it really takes a lot of patience. Sometimes you um, have to help them through some very painful situations. But with God's help, we just had one gentleman that was incarcerated, got out of San Quentin, came to our church in Vallejo, and he uh, started coming very regularly. From that, from that relationship with the church, he was able to reconcile with his wife. He was able to get a job. He was able to uh, get a nice place for him and his wife to stay. And they're moving up into a normal pattern of life that God designed, that abundant life. Well, I think, what if we weren't there to catch him during that time? What if, what if we weren't there with a heart that says, we believe in you. We believe that God can do anything through you. So we're very excited, I'm telling you. There are going to be a lot of people attending the Bass Convention over the next two days, Dr. Hunter, who are working in the inner city or whose neighborhoods have changed so from the time they were originally planted. Maybe back in the day they were in suburbia. Now they find, that themselves, they, they find themselves in an urban area. Maybe the language of the people around them has changed. A lot of the economics, perhaps, in the neighborhood have changed. Sometimes they've gotten worse. Sometimes they've gotten better. You're going to be speaking to all of these factors in some of your workshops. Tell us about that. Definitely so. Um, doing inner city ministry for very several years now, many, many uh, years, I've learned that um, God positions us for the type of ministry he wants us to execute. And in our, in our classes, we're going to talk about some of the things that's necessary to survive in inner city ministry. One of the greatest assets one must have in inner city ministry is a firm faith in the call of God. Because when you're working in the inner city, there's not necessarily a lot of funding, per se, a lot of resources, per se. But God opens up doors that even us, we didn't even know about. For example, one of the programs that we were able to discover was a program called the 360 Good Program. And the 360 Good Program offers uh, resources from uh, stores uh, around the Bay Area who have items that they would like to donate to nonprofit organizations who are part of their network. And it's the obligation of the nonprofit uh, agency to distribute those items that the stores, for whatever reason, uh, no longer want to keep on their shelves to people that's in need. 
it so so happened that when we got to Vallejo, that door opened up to start the 360 Good program in our church. And one of the things we have to do is go to various stores that are in that network, pick up uh, beds, pick up uh, clothing, pick up uh, toiletries, pick up whatever that they are uh, giving away to the network. And we are to distribute them to needy families in the community and men and women that are in need everywhere. And what, what an opportunity to make a statement. Uh, you know, it's one thing to say, Jesus Christ loves you, Christ died for you. But if you walk away and that person is still hungry, still thirsty, still homeless, they're going to struggle to find the truth behind what you've just said. But if we can model the compassion of Christ, and it's interesting to know whenever we see him ministering to large crowds throughout his time here, ministry here on earth, it was always preceded by either healing the lame, bringing sight to the blind, feeding the masses. There was always Christ's tenderness toward the felt needs to demonstrate that God cares for the whole man, W-H-O-L-E. And so I'm excited to hear this window of opportunity, this door that is open for your ministry in Vallejo. Um, and I want to encourage listeners that are currently in the inner city, they kind of feel like maybe they've, they've, they've hit a brick wall, they're struggling because they don't have fiscal resources, and yet they recognize there's still this huge need in the community, that are looking for creative ways to effectively bring the gospel to the inner city. And uh, these workshops that you're going to be teaching here over the next couple of days are going to be powerful. Folks want to get more information, uh, check out the website at BassConvention.org. That's BassConvention.org. And uh, take a look at the inner city ministry workshops that'll be conducted along with keys to evangelism in those areas by Dr. Jan Hunter, senior pastor at New Faith Cathedral Church of God in Christ in Vallejo. Folks want to find out more about your church. You're up on Facebook, are you not? Yes, we are. New Faith Cathedral Church of God in Christ. We have a Facebook page. And. Uh, Come check us out. We have great pictures of uh, some of the things that we've done and things that we are currently doing. People want to see a modern-day miracle unfolding. It's going on at your church, brother. It's going on We're excited right for you and excited for you to bring a lot of what God has shown you in terms of best practices to come and help empower other churches ministering in the inner city here in the Bay Area during this fast convention. Dr. Jan Hunter, as always, brother, good to spend some time with you. Thank you. We're going to take a brief time out. We've got to get caught up on some traffic here at 633. We'll head over to the KFAX Traffic Center, back with more from our live broadcast from the 56th Annual Bass Convention in Castro Valley. Info at BassConvention.org. Right now, info on traffic with Michael Bennett. Michael? And now, back to Lifeline with Craig Roberts. All right, we are back. Instant in season and out of season, right? We're, of course, broadcasting tonight from night number one of a three-day convention taking place once again in Castro Valley, hosted by Redwood Chapel. We're here at 19300 Redwood Road, site of the annual Bass Convention, and over 200 Bay Area churches registered so far. That number will no doubt increase over the uh, the next couple of days, coming from all over the San Francisco Bay Area to become better equipped, better trained, 
um, really share best practices, that sense of iron sharpening iron in a sort of ministry trench education way for folks that are engaged in either professional and or lay ministry to learn more about not just how to increase the effectiveness of where God has planted them, but also look to new horizons, new opportunities for ministry. You can get more information about the Bass Convention online. Simply go to BassConvention.org. That's BassConvention.org. When you think about the fundamental gospel, I think a lot of believers might sort of sort of shorthand things by saying, well, this is ultimately about mankind benefiting from God's grace through Christ's work on the cross to experience forgiveness of sins and everlasting life. Forgiveness being so fundamental at the very core of the gospel message, you would think that Christians of all would understand what forgiveness looks like, how to live it, how to model it, how to sort of pay it forward, not only in terms of experiencing forgiveness ourselves, but showing forgiveness towards others. In fact, the topic is even addressed in the Lord's Prayer. And yet, for all of the arenas in which we ought to be experts on forgiveness, sadly, we fall way, way short. A new book out by my next guest called What You Might Not Know About Forgiveness. And Pastor Steve Deal with Forgiveness Ministries. Good to see you again. Same here. This book has been a long time in the making. Yes. A lot of it is really your work in the trenches. Yes. Talking <laughs> to believers, understanding where their heart is, helping them to understand where God's heart is mm-hmm. on the topic of forgiveness, and how that this issue of forgiveness can either be the, the building blocks to a whole new life, or lack thereof, a major barrier, a a wall, so to speak, and you have one even depicted on the cover of the book, that can really stand between you and not just a relationship with God, but stand between you and relationship with everybody else on the horizontal plane, your children, your spouse, your siblings. Everyone. That's so true. And, And not just with our relationships, because relationships are only as good and as healthy as we are as individuals. And so there's an inner brokenness that uh, we all suffer with when we don't develop what I call a lifestyle of forgiveness. If we carry, and we were talking earlier with Pastor Clay Allen about men that are broken, and women too, by uh, sexual dysfunctionality, porn addictions, things of this sort, and that so often guilt and shame is one of the big barriers that prevents us from from being able to address this and and, and find healing. Um, Is there a sense then of shame from past mistakes, shortcomings, and maybe past marriage relationships, raising the kids that, that, that ultimately make it difficult for people to even find forgiveness of themselves? Oh, absolutely, Craig. Uh, and, and Satan takes advantage of all this. As you were saying at the beginning in your introduction, Christians ought to be the world's leading experts mm-hmm. on real forgiveness, God's forgiveness, whether it's receiving it or giving it to others or restoring broken relationships. But we're not. We struggle with it. I get people saying to me all the time, why did God make forgiveness so hard? And it's not really hard. It's just so different from the way we naturally think and often different from the way we've been taught, which is why I entitled the book, What You Might Not Know About Forgiveness. 
And what we don't know about forgiveness will leave us in bondage. It'll leave us still unhealed and broken, and then symptoms come out, symptoms of depression and shame and guilt and fear and worry, and then that bleeds out into our relationships. You, you, you can't have a healthy relationship when there's guilt and shame and anger and hurt and fear. There has to be healing. And I believe God's healing of the soul comes as we confess our sins and receive his forgiveness and as we forgive other people effectively at the cross of Jesus Christ. A lot of people, perhaps erroneously so, believe that there is just one fundamental type of forgiveness, and that is to say, well, we acknowledge that somehow I have been wronged or mm -hmm. I have wronged somebody else, that I should pay a penalty for what I've done, or somebody who's wronged me should pay a penalty, but we're going to let them off the hook. And we see that as kind of a fundamental form of forgiveness. But it's much broader and much deeper than that, isn't it? It is. Matter of fact, you were almost about to say, kind of let it go and move on. Mm -hmm. And exactly a lot of right. Christians, and matter of fact, a lot of, unfortunately, church teachers will talk about forgiveness and say that way, that we need to let it go, move on. It's in the past, you know. Get over it. Get over it. And and we and then they use the word forgiveness either in a prayer or in speaking to someone else, I forgive you or would you forgive me? But my experience in over 45 years of ministry is most Christians use the word forgiveness as if it were a magic word like abracadabra. That if we just say it, it's going to happen. And yet forgiveness is much more about truth the truth of God, the truth of sin, the truth of the cross, the truth of Jesus Christ, the truth of who I am in Jesus, uh, the truth of how Jesus died to pay the penalty not only for my sins but for other people's sins. And we all know, if we've been in church very long, what Jesus said about truth. If we know the truth, the truth will set us free. Which implies when we don't know the truth or don't know enough of the truth, we remain in bondage. We remain in bondage. And Satan knows full well how powerful uh, the gift of forgiveness is to bring healing to individual souls and to relationships. So he's throwing everything he can to distract us, discourage us, and confuse us. Well, let's spend a moment unpacking this. Because, and I, I think you're very accurate in, in what you say, and I think most people uh, would give mental assent to it as well, that we tend to be kind of flippant about forgiveness. Mm -hmm. You just forget about it, get over it, move on. That was in the past. And yet we look at all of the components mm -hmm. that went into creating the atmosphere in which God could extend his grace and forgiveness towards us for having offended a holy and righteous God. Right. And all of our sin that stood between us and a relationship with him... Um, there was more than just God saying, oh, I'm going to get over it. I'm right, going to pass this. Right. You know, that, what we all do naturally as substitutes for forgiveness, minimizing sin, excusing sin, denying sin, uh, ignoring it, running away, none of those things God can do. No, he that's hit, like God hits it head on, doesn't he? That's it? exactly what I was going to say. He, at the cross of Jesus Christ, he's hitting sin head on and dealing with it. We tend to run away from it. We blame other people. We blame the wrong person. Again, we do all these substitutes. And it's natural to us. So learning what forgiveness really is and what it took for God to make it possible is, is not just an intellectual thing. I teach people that you have to learn to feel the heart of God at the cross of Jesus Christ. What was God the Father going through in 
healing as he basically punished Jesus for our sins and for the sins of the world. What kind of emotional hell was God the Father going through, both the pain and the anger that was poured out on Jesus that should have come to us? Mm -hmm. What was Jesus the Son going through as he voluntarily accepted to take our sins upon himself and to feel the wrath of God against sin? What was the Holy Spirit going through? And that's a missing piece in most people's practice of forgiveness. Yeah, we, we typically like to be able to uh, skip past the hard emotion. Exactly. Yes. And what you're suggesting is, no, we need we need to plow dead head on, just like God straight did, straight through, right down the middle. And and maybe therefore failure to do so is the reason why people would say, well, I've forgiven so and so for what they did. And yet, through everything else that they say and do, we and recognize feel everything they and feel, feel that, that there is a the silent acknowledgement of the bitterness and yeah. the pain and the fact that, no, they really haven't no. gotten over this. We're going to pause on that point and come back to more of our conversation. We're visiting today with Pastor Steve Deal. He's been involved in ministry for many, many years and is the founder of Forgiveness Ministries. He'll be conducting a number of workshops here at the Bass Convention. You can get complete details on the web at BassConvention.org. That's BassConvention.org. He's got a new book out, What You Might Not Know About Forgiveness. Also, some workshops that he's going to be conducting here in the Bay Area in early April. We'll tell you more about that right after a quick timeout. 6.46, it's time for us to get a final look at traffic. And to do so, we'll head one last time over to the KFAX Traffic Center where we say to Michael Bennett, Michael, what's going on out there? And now back to Lifeline with Craig Roberts. And we're in the home stretch in our live broadcast tonight. We're, of course, going to be back here tomorrow evening and uh, more conversations with many of the uh, workshop leaders and conference speakers of this 56th Annual Bass Convention. Details again on the web at BassConvention.org. I'll mention here before I forget that Pastor Steve Beal from Forgiveness Ministries will be conducting some workshops helping you unwrap the gift of forgiveness. A seminar called Unwrapping the Gift of Forgiveness. Friday, April the 5th, and Saturday, April 6th, hosted by Walnut Creek Friends Church. And you can get complete details by going to ForgivenessMinistries.com for more information. That's ForgivenessMinistries.com. Steve, in your new book, What You Might Not Know About Forgiveness, you have a chapter devoted to adopting a forgiveness lifestyle. Right. Now, some people think of forgiveness as a one-off. It's a single event. God forgave me. Now I forgive my ex-wife. This one is offending me, whatever. I go through these one events, and that's it. I'm done. But you're saying that there's a lot more to it than that. That this is not oh, just absolutely. the occasional, I do it because I know if I don't, it's really going to eat me up, or, or I'm going to be really angry at somebody. Right. When you speak of lifestyle of forgiveness, what exactly does that look like? Well, again, if forgiveness is about the truth of Jesus Christ at the cross and how, how forgiveness is the beginning of God's solution to the problem he calls sin. Sins are happening all the time around us. We, we've been born into a world saturated by sin. We have the disease of sin in us. So everyone around us eventually, if we spend any time at all with them, is going to sin against us and we'll probably sin and against them. And we under them, yes. Yeah. 
So forgiveness, practicing forgiveness, not just knowing about it, not just being a Christian, practicing forgiveness, bringing sins to the cross, praying, confessing our sins, thanking Jesus for dying for the people who sinned against us, that should become a way of thinking all the time. It should be a way of living. That's why we call it a lifestyle. Is this more than just getting us out of the sense of guilt or more than just perhaps the beneficial good feelings of extending forgiveness to somebody else? Does this go deep into the heart of being able to deepen our relationship with Christ and our understanding of God's character? Absolutely. The more we practice a lifestyle of forgiveness, the more we can begin to capture, capture a glimpse of the tremendous forgiveness that he has shown towards us? Oh, yes, absolutely. Matter of fact, there's two things there, Craig. One is exactly what you're saying. Jesus said, he who's forgiven much loves much. So one of the things I say as a pastor is, if you want to love God more, then forgive discover more. your sins <laughs> and realize how forgiven you are and forgive others, and you will understand more, and not just understand, but experience uh, not just God's love for you, but your love for others. The other thing, though, is that practicing forgiveness is one of the ways that God tr transforms us into the image of Jesus. So as he heals our soul so that we can think more clearly, receive truth more deeply, so that we can make better choices, as we practice all aspects of forgiveness, we are actually becoming more and more like Jesus. So. When Christians, who and they usually do, you're right, they come to our seminars and workshops and they have a relationship they want to fix or a particular emotion they want to get rid of or a compulsive behavior they want to have victory over. One of my jobs is to help expand their vision and say, this will change you at the very core of your being. You will become more like Jesus. You will, you will be a better lover of God and lover of people. You will know and feel God's love for you as you practice forgiveness. So this transformative side of forgiveness, I mean, it goes to the heart of the gospel because we know that God not only desires to walk in relationship with us, but to do so by extending his grace toward us mm -hmm. that we might not just forgive or experience forgiveness, but then having experienced forgiveness begin to enter into the fullness of then what it means to be uh, restored by him and healed by him right. and drawn closer to him right. and take on more of his character if we become more like him th that's right and if we think about it the kingdom of God not the kingdom of the world but the kingdom of God is a kingdom of forgiveness of our forgiveness God forgiving us and our receiving it and forgiving other people it's like the heir of the kingdom and so, so having a lifestyle is you're just breathing the reality of the cross and of grace and mercy and forgiveness constantly. So, so the totality then, in a sense, of all that we do relationally on the horizontal plane and certainly on the vertical plane, as we've acknowledged, really, really pivots, really is, is based upon, lives and breathes and moves and undulates in forgiveness. Right. That's wow. What, that's what I believe. And again... I think most Christians are led probably accidentally into thinking that forgiveness, as you said, is something that happens to become a Christian. We receive God's forgiveness, we pray the sinner's prayer, something like that, and and there we're done. Yeah, we think it's the ending point, but you're saying it's the starting point. It's the starting point. Uh -huh. Matter of fact, I think most Christians are taught to think of forgiveness like the emergency kit in the trunk of your car. 
which pull it out you when you need it. You yeah. pull it out only in the case of an emergency, yeah. which you hope never to be in. I try to convince people, no, God's intent is his forgiveness to be like the air we breathe. And we're breathing all the time without even thinking about it. However, breathing is a very interesting biological activity because it's automated, but it's also voluntary. Because you can take a deep breath right now anytime you want. You can hold your breath. So sometimes we should be practicing forgiveness when it's a lifestyle without even realizing that we're doing it because we're living in the truth and the reality of the cross of Jesus Christ. At other times, when there is an emergency, when someone does deeply hurt us or we discover that we are a terrible, we have committed a sin, then you take a deep breath of forgiveness deliberately. You'll be conducting a number of workshops here at the Baskin Yes, five of them, and my wife's doing one. And tell us briefly about the special workshop that's open to the general public Friday and Saturday uh, coming up in uh, April. April 5th and 6th. That's our basic workshop that we do at churches wherever we're invited. It's called uh, Unwrapping the Gift of Forgiveness. Again, it's Friday night for two hours and then all day Saturday. And I unwrap that God's gift of forgiveness, what it is, why we need it. And then I talk about, in particular, the two sides of sin and forgiveness. Forgiveness of the penalty of sin, which is different from the forgiveness of the consequences of sin. Mm. And that's a novel idea for most people, and yet I think it's basic Christianity that people are missing out on. Foreign territory to most, and yet uh, really integral to the gospel message. And um, for a lot of believers, perhaps, this book can begin sort of that pulling back of the layers of the onion to not only extend forgiveness, experience forgiveness, but ultimately then live a lifestyle of forgiveness. That's right. Uh, Pastor Steve Deal's new book is called What You Might Not Know About Forgiveness. And uh, folks want to get information about the book. Where can they order it? Amazon. It's on Amazon now. They can order it. Uh, they can go to our website if they want and go to that book advertisement on our website. But the link will click them straight to Amazon. All right. So either Amazon.com or pick up copies here at the Bass Convention. Yes. You have a booth in the exhibit hall. And, uh, again, check out the workshops that both Steve and his wife will be conducting uh, on the web at BassConvention.org. That's BassConvention.org. Our thanks to Pastor Steve Deal for forgiveness from Forgiveness Ministries. Thank you, Craig. For showing some forgiveness of us and my, and my mess up <laughs> at the end there. That's going to do it for our live broadcast. Well, that's going to do it for this edition of Lifeline. Thanks so much for being with us. And if there was anything you heard on today's show that you'd like to hear again or share with a friend, grab a copy of the Lifeline podcast. Simply log on to kfax.com. That's kfax.com for the Lifeline podcast. Our producer is Wanda Sanchez. I'm Craig Roberts. Till next time round, remember, just don't keep the faith. Get out there and share it and make it a great evening. So long. Opinions expressed in the preceding program do not necessarily represent the views of the ownership, staff, or management of KFAX. Copyright Salem Communications, all rights reserved. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn. 
deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.